Maths Talk by AMSI Schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning practice. My name's Leanne McMahon. I'm an AMSI Schools Outreach Officer, and today we have a very special episode of Maths Talk to coincide with the International Day of Mathematics, or as it's commonly known, Pi Day, on the 14th of March. We're very excited about Pi Day and especially excited for this year's theme, which is Maths is Everywhere. In keeping with the theme, we have two amazing special guests in the studio, the dynamic duo of our last year's Choose Maths Teacher Awards, Elizabeth Dewar and Ryan Jelly from Bonio Primary School on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Welcome, guys. Hi, Leanne. How are you? Very well, thank you. So Pi Day, or the International Day of Mathematics, have their own website, which is www.idm314.org to find out more about IDM and also download lots of activities you can do in your school with your students to celebrate the day. We're really excited about this year's theme, which is Maths is Everywhere. And that's why we thought Ryan and Liz might be terrific guests to chat to. And I'm going to read directly from the blurb on the AMSI website. Teaching at Bonio Primary School in semi-rural Victoria, Ryan and Liz are passionate educators who are transforming the way students and teachers view the learning and teaching of maths in their school. After discovering that student outcomes in mathematics were on a downward trend, they developed a plan to transform maths instruction and improve student engagement. In a stunning move to increase engagement, they staged a crashed meteor site in the school's gardens. I'm dying to hear about that. And they staged three dig sites with dinosaur bones. Wow, you two, that sounds absolutely amazing. (laughs) So can you tell us, how has showing your students that maths is everywhere begun to transform the way maths is taught and learnt at Bonio? I think we realised really early on that our kids didn't enjoy what they were doing in maths and they weren't interested and they weren't feeling engaged in their schooling in general. So before we did anything else, we really needed to target that didn't we we really needed to kind of increase the motivation of the kids and getting them to want to do the maths instead of they're doing it because they're in a maths lesson and they're being told today we're doing this and they go and do it and then they forget it because there was no connection to it there was no linking to their lives or making it relevant or showing them why they're they're doing those activities Mm, and how long ago was this that you decided that a change was needed it started about two years ago for us when we were lucky enough to get into the primary maths science specialist program um, that Chris Brown was running and was doing an awesome job of. And when we got into that, at first we were like so lost. Where do we start? What do we do? We've got this time. We've got a bit of money. Um, how are we going to best use it? And we thought we'd go with like a bit of an easy win first. Mm-hmm. And looked at our resourcing. So our school budget was pretty small for maths and. Um, the new principal that just jumped on board bumped that up and the first mm-hmm. thing we did was collected everything in the school that was maths, redistributed, which was crazy because, like, one person had, like, a jar of dice yeah, and that was, was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's all they had. And then another person had, and like, hoarded pick. all this stuff <laughs> over how many years? Well, the junior school teachers from the senior school teachers. as Yeah. And it kind of became really clear that, like... We weren't using any concrete materials anymore and it was all kind of textbook and questions on the board. Guys, listen up. We're going to do an investigation, but our first stage is going to be an explore with the materials. Six triangles fit into a... Hexagon. 
our school, I suppose, for a bit of context, had done ability grouping since about 2012. Okay. And ever since we'd brought that in, we had seen kind of deteriorating results. The, the bottom, uh-huh. um, for want of a better word, the, yep. the lower uh, group, um, just they made a little bit of growth, but everyone else was stagnant. Yeah, however, those bottom kids were still well below standard. They had okay. made some gains, but they, they still weren't, weren't being exposed to where they should have been. And then so. through that, that PMSS, when we were exposed to people like Doug Clark, who is my spirit animal, like, he's just <laughs> the most amazing man, and Charlie Lovett and Jill Cheeseman and all these amazing um, people that have been working in mass for so long. And then they just preach this experience before instruction and yes. differentiation before, you know, through prompting. And it was just so different to what we were doing at our school. And over a side of tower one night in the city, Liz and I kind of <laughs> said, well, how are we going to put our own spin on, you know, yep. what these experts are telling us? And that's where we went back to school, looked at the, the engagement data, uh, which was really low and which was quite upsetting for us because we you know we're pretty passionate about what we did and the kids just weren't engaged Mm. and i think we thought they were okay there was no sort of (laughs) obvious reason that they wouldn't be okay until we actually looked at this data and it was a real shock Mm. it was a real shock everyone was working so hard and (laughs) exactly and everyone is and then to have this data that the kids weren't really connecting with it then you're kind of like well pretty human nature if I'm not enjoying something I'm probably not going to retain it and I'm not going to want to do it again. Yeah you're given the opportunity to do the professional learning in the first place with absolutely fantastic people and then you've taken it on and had a think about what can I do to change things in the classroom. First of all, looking at the data that actually said things need changing. So that's really quite exciting. I think we were lucky that it wasn't going to get any worse. Whatever we did was going to make... That's right. ...make a little game. Yes, like, yes. Free reign to try out all of our crazy ideas. I we think I've... had lots of them. I've heard <laughs> James Tanton say, if you don't know what to do, do something. Yeah. It's yep. Anything. <laughs> yeah. And that's, he says that in relation to problem yeah. solving, but I think in relation to making a change in your students too. Yeah. And I think we should say, like, our school wasn't it wasn't like the kids were setting the place on fire. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a lovely little school. I went there myself as a student. And, yeah, the, the kids enjoyed coming to school, but no. the connection really wasn't being built on. And when we were talking about how we're going to start and we were looking at it like... You know, do we look at the planning? Do we look at the assessments that we're using and all that? But then Liz and I both tried to probably stay true to who we are. And yeah. And we're not really paperwork people and planning people, so we were much... You're more into more, crashing meteors. Yeah. We were much more likely to have success with action? Yeah. doing something yeah. rather than yeah. trying to write it down. So Yeah, and that's for everyone out there. If you've got that 25 engaging maths lessons, I think it's called, that Doug Clark and I think it's Anne Roche mm-hmm. put together. Yeah, we'll, it's put, an, we'll put that on our uh, resource yep. list. Yeah, yep. it's just a really simple to follow, engaging easy and the kids loved it and that's we actually started with one of those activities so we instead of kind of lecturing staff about we need to improve engagement and you know we need to do this and this and this we just had a a staff meeting one night and we said you're all doing this one activity um, on the same time uh, which was the activity how far you can jump and just go and do the activity and then we're going to talk about what you see after it and the mass that you do from it is the mass that you do. There was no, yep. it was a very open-ended, just go and do it. Just have some fun with the kids. And it was really lovely on that day when we had the 
that time blocked out to do the activity to see the big kids out there doing the same activity as the preps and and it's something that we've spoken a lot about like what activities can we do that the preps and the sixes and everyone in between can have a shared experience which is kind of one of our three little values I think that we've tried to really bring in at Bonio. so yeah it was it was awesome to see the kids out there you know jumping and, and measuring their work and then or measuring their jump sorry and then going back in the class and the you know the preps were just kind of comparing the the lengths of string yeah they were measuring with ribbons yeah. whereas yeah. longer and shorter yeah yeah, yeah. 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 and then and ordering them and comparing which yeah. was lovely and mm-hmm. I, yeah we did some addition out of it like once you kind of had your measurement yeah, you know, they went and found two other friends and found how, you know combined what did they all jump mm-hmm. you know together yep and so you're Adding decimals yeah, and yeah, that sort of yeah, thing, no, yeah. Really cool. Why did you like it? Um, because you're actually in like a group and you have other people that you can ask and say, "Oh, I think this." What do you think? So you have like shared answers. And stuff. So you could bounce your ideas off other people, see yeah. what they think. Yeah. Yep. Unexpectedly, it was the teachers as well who really they were really chuffed with it. They yep. were like this. This is right. It's our gut feeling is being validated yeah. by this. You guys are onto something here. So it yeah. was really nice. It's really an awesome feeling now to sit here and kind of have that justify that it wasn't just a gut feel that there are experts out there that really do believe in what we're trying to do, like Clark and Sullivan and all those guys yes. talk about, um, <laughs> all talk about that experience before instruction and, and showing the why before just the what um, is a really... Yeah, been a really important difference. We're doing maths. What would be the best activity that you can imagine to do? Well, once we um, we did this thing where there was pieces of paper all around the room, and then we um, worked in little groups and tried to problem solve them. And we um, at the end there was like this word solve thing, and the first group to get it like got a prize or something. And we all had to, like, it took forever because we all got so stressed because it, they were really hard and we just had to problem solve them because they were like, yeah, and there was like one, two and three and we had to all... So I'm interested that you said you were really stressed but it yes. was also your favourite activity. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, um, we, at the end, like, we got, it was, um... It was like fun because we actually got it like done and like in the start we were just like how are we going to do this and we worked through it and got around to the fun part so. So you thought you weren't going to be able to do it? Yeah I was like I almost gave up. So when you got it it was actually better. That's really that's good. That's really So have you got some advice for people who are trying to set up a much more maths is everywhere type approach to their teaching? We've got a really strong leadership team at school and we've done a lot of work in the past about looking at the curriculum and pulling it apart. So we have made a really conscious effort of let's not go back there and let's start going to showing some value and through that how far you can jump activity where the whole school did it, prep to six, and the teachers kind of let the kids go and the kids drove it, that then led to the value being shown of if we do stuff differently, maybe we can improve our engagement data, which is then going to hopefully improve our results, um, improve our attendance to school, improve behaviour through the school. So, yeah, so we had a really big focus on um, showing the value to staff through action rather than 
here's another document or here's some more readings or something like that, which yep. we had done a lot of and gave us a really good grounding. Um, it was now about putting that into action and and the how. So we knew the what, but how are we going to do it? And was that well received by staff? Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it was. Because we went from a boarding grouping and we kind of went, we're going to stop that. And we're now going to have a look at trying to do open-ended tasks where doing differentiation through prompting. And there was that kind of like, what do we teach when? Well, if you do this activity, you can do addition, you can do place value, you can do subtraction, you can do multiplication, you can do a whole range of things. It was actually, the other parts of the curriculum. Yeah, it was the other parts <laughs> of the curriculum that um, get neglected because it's number, number, number they started kind of coming to the fore and number was being taught through these activities instead of that explicit today you're going to learn how to add yeah there are some questions on the board you're in this group you're in that group no like and the teacher had all the all the knowledge and the power like you had these kids sitting there and you say well how would you do this and the kids sit there quietly because you've got this likability group and once we opened it to a whole class experience, well, you just need one kid to say, oh, I would do it like this. And then the other kids feed off that. And then all of a sudden, I'm not teaching, I'm supporting the kids to teach each other. And that was a real big shift in the way that I was operating. Then what do you do as a school? I think we were really conscious of not walking in saying, here we are, we're the new experts in this field. Yeah. We've been to one PD, so we know this now. Um, so we went really slowly and carefully, I guess, yeah. and that worked in our favour, didn't yeah, it? we touched we... base with everyone a lot. There was a lot of kind of visiting classrooms just to see how you're going, what are you wondering, what do you need help with? And then we did a few surveys of staff, just really easy, like, what do you need? All right. And then mm. tried to support them that way to show that we're really trying to help them um, change their practice. Yeah. We weren't just and that we were along for the ride as well. We were yeah. as vulnerable as they were. So and we do you were, get time? We do you together. get time to do this? We were really lucky that when we were doing it, we had two days per week together. So. Yeah. At the heart of it was a really genuine relationship, I think, and we had time together to talk everything through. We weren't making decisions on our own, and I was able to pull the reins a few times (laughs) on some of Rose's ideas. (laughs) But that was a that was a huge benefit, I suppose, and not everybody has that. No, in order for these things to actually take hold, you have to have the support of the leadership team. You actually have to be given the time to do it. So these hands-on experiences for students, you you've spoke about the, the measurement one. Yeah. Are there other experiences that you want to talk about? There were many <laughs> ideas. And then as Liz yeah, heard, sometimes she'd rein us in and then Liz would have ideas and I'd rein her. I, I think one of the things too is the strength of having two people. Yeah. A lot of people have like a maths leader. Yes. And there's no way we'd be sitting here today if we were doing this on our own. Like it is... It is a joint reason why we're here. And I think, you know, I know everyone's time poor and all that and leadership's, you know, got to do lots of things, but you have to have someone to bounce off. And that would be a really key change in a school if this find some way that two people can have some time to bounce ideas off each other because when Liz suggested a meteorite one day, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then away we went. So can you tell us more about the meteorite project? So I think the meteorite started um, from a conversation with my prep colleague, Chloe. Thanks, Chloe. Basically, what we decided was that we were going to stage 
a crash site in our gardens. We were going to dig a trench and we were going to have a smoke machine and we were going to have... We're going to have this. We're going to have this and this. (laughs) And it did get bigger than Ben-Hur. It was huge. It was huge. And we ran it past the boss and she was okay with this crazy idea. But in retrospect, we should have got the teachers on side first. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was a bit of a surprise to them. So they didn't really know what we expected them to do or how to run with it. So mathematically... We could have taken a whole lot more out of it had we prepared them better. But in terms of just the pure engagement and the buzz that was happening... We were following the how far you can jump activity and we are trying to show the value again of that experience before the instruction. And that hooked hooked in everybody. We had parents calling out the school Monday morning, you know, should I be bringing my child to school? Like, what's happened? Like, the (laughs) Facebook page was off the rails like people are like I can't believe this has happened at Bonio this huge crash site in the garden which the principal wasn't exactly stoked about when we started <laughs> digging up the, the garden the night before but, that's quite um, funny I can just imagine the principal yeah, there what are these absolute idiots the doing to my yeah. garden yeah, so, and she, but how that, big uh, was the hole uh, yeah, it was, was an unrealistically s- large meteorite wasn't it was <laughs> one of the massive <laughs> investigations that the senior school kids did because mm-hmm. um, I remember uh, Stacy, one of the teachers said what am I going to do when the kids say that it's fake then we were talking about well that is the investigation like if it's too big which is what the kids went and discovered that if it was really that big the whole southeast of Melbourne would be obliterated ah. that was an amazing investigation for those grade sixes to go and that started she prompted them with oh okay you think it's fake well prove it to me which is another thing that you know we've really embraced from Clark and hmm. Clark and Co that you know prove it to me like oh, you think this will prove it to me so yeah the, the, the senior school were just adamant that it was fake yeah. only because they really wanted to believe it the big kids didn't yeah, they, they but didn't they were get, a bit yeah. for it whereas then, um, I remember all the other kids running around saying like aliens are here and they're looking <laughs> for them and like you know where's the spaceship and da 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 and it was that wonder and that excitement just went through the roof. So last year we heard that a meteor crashed in your playground. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? It wasn't in the playground? I didn't see a courtyard down the tennis court yeah. yep. that the preps off. So, so tell me... Burning. Oh no. So Zane, what did people think when the meteor crashed in the in the playground. What, what, what was everyone saying? People thought they, it was fake. Right. But other people thought it was real. But it when real. we saw it, when it crashed, it looked like it, there was a huge hole. And it's around, it looked like it was around two feet. How could you measure it? And it just created a buzz amongst the parent community as well, which mm. then got them kind of going, oh, that mass night that's coming up, maybe I will attend it because this is different and the school hasn't mm. done these types of things before and it was just a really nice way to again we had tried to get the teachers on board by saying here's the value of doing something mm. experienced before the instruction and then the parents have like boom there's a crash site yeah and then they're like oh this is interesting and uh, we sent home an article about it that they could read with their kids and it led to a lot of other curriculum areas as well. I can a imagine. Writing, a lot of reading about it and, and there's a hazmat team there yes. trying to clean it up the next day. So all the kids were standing around and there was uh, Liz's husband oh, and, no. and friend had dressed up in um, the old Bunnings overalls and um, not the red one, the 
<laughs> the white, the white one, paint yeah. suit thing yeah. with the full mask and uh, oh. like a little Geiger counter thing and. Um, but it was all yeah. about creating the atmosphere. Was the boys were measuring and they were taking very important phone calls and writing yeah. down all sorts of things yeah. and. Yeah, it was... Your drama program must be fairly good too. (laughs) (laughs) But it was genuine joy that day. The kids genuinely enjoyed being at school and the conversations afterwards. Even now, my kids this week have been saying, but was it real? Was it really real? Yeah. Yeah. So, any great (laughs) ideas planned? Well, I suppose that's where we working with the masses everywhere theme is something that we've tried to embrace. Um, what are we? Week five now. Week f- yeah, five. We've already tried to kind of bring that in through. Um, I know through my class and with the, the other grade fives, we've been trying to look at the mass that you see in games. Oh, yes. And there's a, a, a game at Bonau that's been played since I went there called Slag Ball, which is very it's kickball-ish, but it's got its own little Bonau twist. And um, the kids just went out with the with the object of they watched one class pl- uh, play the game and then they just had to record all the mass they could see. There was no prompting or anything, just what do you see? What could you record? What data could you pull out of the other class playing it? Then we swapped over and the other class played and my class observed and wrote down the maths, went back inside and just brainstormed everything you saw and it was everything from mapping, um, tracking the ball, uh, timing how long the average was till someone got uh, knocked out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they kicked it left or right, which way was more successful to get home. There was um, so much maths involved. And I was really surprised at how detailed the kids, without any prompting, with a blank piece of paper, which is something else we've tried to bring in as well, as you know, less, less prompting, just let them put their own thoughts down. That was really cool. So we've got a lot more to, to do with that. Um, yeah, just what's the maths in the games? What's the maths in... We watched a short clip of um, champion data, the people that do the statistics and footy and and other sports I can't think of. Um, Yeah, and watching that, and that really opened the kids' eyes to possible jobs in that type of career as well. So, yeah, that's that's been a really kind of fun, engaging way. So how do we start the year off in a fun way? Well, let's play some games and get to know stuff, which everyone is doing. But then having that, that flip of the maths as well, they're doing this maths without realising it. And now they're becoming more aware of what's going on. Okay, so doing the maths without realising it, but then making them realise it and seeing that maths is actually important. Yeah. And that's our job to show them those connections or put them in situations where they can find them themselves. Um, My very first day this year, there was a real apprehension around fractions. Yes. They were very, very nervous. Um, There was a lot of anxiety around it. So on the very first day of school, I made them do fractions, except they didn't know they were doing fractions. They thought they were playing with Lego and they were just making these blocks and just having a bit of fun and just threw a couple of questions out there and I said, oh, you know, write it all down, da-da-da. And and at the end they had this page full of all these fractions. Yes. And I said, can everyone hold up their fraction work? And they're all looking at each other going, (laughs) what are you talking about? It's the first day of school. Like, who are you? And I said, no, hold it up. And I said, that's a fraction. You've drawn fractions. They're fractions. That's fractions. And then we got into this huge argument about me making him do fractions on the first day. So you didn't even know you were doing fractions. Yeah. It's not scary. It can be fun. Make sure when you go home tonight, you talk to your parents. You say, on my first day of school, 
my teacher made me do fractions. Yeah, that's and fantastic. Then, and then the parents were kind of like, oh, look at you, you, know, you get stuck anywhere. <laughs> but just to show that, like, you know, what, what's the thing that you've got the most anxiety? What's scaring you the most? There is a fun way to do it. Yeah. Well, I guess your your muscles implicit until the end when it was revealed, this is the curriculum. This is what you have to learn. And guess what? You just learnt it. <laughs> and there are other ways that we can apply it too. And that, that sort of leads me to a question. How do you ensure that you cover the curriculum? It is a very good question. So we went from a very structured environment that term one was uh, place value and number. Then term two was addition and subtraction. Term three was multiplication and division. <laughs> and then everything else was in term Chance four. Chance and data is always in term four. <laughs> a bit of a common theme around schools yep. trying to, to do all this. And then again, going back to Clark and love it mm-hmm. and all that. And they talk about, you know, you need repetition. And then that kind of led us to having conversations about why are we expecting mastery in week five of term one when it's an end of year achievement Mm. level? So why are we trying to teach mastery when we should be coming back to it repeatedly? And then so through trying to make our maths more engaging and do little investigation units, there was heaps of opportunities through the year for the kids to work on their additions. There was heaps of opportunities. Instead of just, this is what you are doing today, Mm. this is what we're doing for the next couple of weeks. Here's a game, here's a prompt, here's an activity, here's a video, here's a something. And then from that... um, what maths in the planning, what maths can we see as experts? What are we going to draw out of it? But then when it starts, what do the kids do and where do they take it? Uh-huh. And data and, and graphing come into it all through the year. Pretty much everything I do now, the kids could collect yeah. data and graphing, which in the past, term four, oh, I'll wait for that. That's coming, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> That's right. And it never seems, to, certainly in secondary schools. It it's, never seems to come. <laughs> no, it never seems to come. Or yeah. it's after the exams. So it's not assessed. Mm-hmm. And so the students don't see it as important. Sure. Just So Liz, I hear you've got a, an interesting rock, paper, scissors activity. We've been playing a fierce competition with the year sixes. And our version of the game, it's a running game where you run from opposite sides of the bus basketball court meet your opponent wherever you meet them along the line and then you rock paper scissors them and if you win you continue on and if you don't you sit down so we're trying to investigate the u2s are investigating whether or not this is a game of chance and so far we haven't won a game against them but we're not sure if this is this is why we're investigating it we're desperate to beat them and we're trying to work out how mm, is it because yeah. they're better or is it because they're luckier yeah well, we think they might be faster runners than we are so we were investigating that yeah. they can cover more ground but uh-huh. ultimately when we meet our opponents paper scissors rock it's a game of chance yes. but why do they keep winning and, yeah, and so not us it's been really so, cool watching them out the window and a lot of my kids are like are we doing that even trying to figure out how to collect the data when we've got 24 yeah. kids playing this game are we going to use crosses or triangles or squares on this piece of paper to collect it and why are some ways better than others um, that's beautiful that really is I'm loving genuine, hearing genuine authentic investigation because I don't know the answer I don't know how we're going to beat them but <laughs> we're desperate to so watch out Can you tell us about the professional learning you've been doing with staff? I can see on the website that it says you've been upskilling colleagues in extending prompts and questioning to encourage students to take their learning deeper. We've been really um, 
interested in how to use how we can get better at using one task for our whole class and working out different ways to differentiate the tasks through extending prompts and enabling prompts we've really tried to get the kids working get the kids working on one task and improving our ability to ask the right questions yep. to get them thinking. We've um, also been experimenting with a learning journal where kids are analysing their own thinking and how their thinking's changed from the start of a task to where they're thinking at the end of a task. When there's math, um, like problems and stuff like that, and they don't include just one, like um, you have to research something and then get the maths from that and add it up or multiply the maths. Yeah, right. So I like doing um, different, like I like doing one maths thing but it branches out. It was a big, uh, for us, it was a big discussion around trying to implement that. Show me one activity five times, not five activities once. Ah. And we also worked with our staff a lot about talking about what's our most valuable asset, and that's ourselves and what we see and what we hear, and really valuing that. Um, and assessment and how we administer assessments has been a really big change at our school. Um, with the ability grouping that we're doing for years, there was the you know the pre-test you teach and there was a post-test. And at first, we were only doing it for three weeks, and that was the only three weeks that those kids would have that explicit teaching on. And there was a really big reliance on the numbers of those tests, wasn't there? The yep. scores. Yes. Yeah. And now we're really talking about, you know valuing your own judgment, your own teacher yeah. judgment, that an assessment is not necessarily about how many out of ten they get right, yeah. but what they're showing us. And what Ryan was talking about before, showing us on a blank piece of paper. Show me in your way how you understand this topic. And how do you teachers record that observational data? So that that's our that's what we're kind of still working on. And mm -hmm. like it's a, you know, nothing's ever finished um, yep. attitude and trying to kind of record that observational data. So I know we use essential assessment and a lot of schools do. So we've brought in that, you know, when you administer this assessment, it really needs to be done in small groups with the teacher observing how the students are working on answering the questions. Um, you know, did they misread the question? Is it a comprehension? Was there a word that they didn't understand? Was there a silly mistake that the student made that they're more capable of and they've just, you know, they rushed it or whatever the reason was? Yep. So in that observation data, we've already got more data than I could pull from an essential assessment from just sitting there and working with the kids while we're administering this assessment. Because we were talking about when you do reading, you sit with the kid one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. When you assess writing, you read every piece of work. And then maths moved into this, the whole class sits in assessment at once and then you just look at the results and you don't have the time to go back through the test. And we're really trying to engage with what is the kid thinking? What are they trying to do? What are the strategies they're using? The easiest example is multiplication and a lot of kids were just doing repeated addition. <laughs> so they're getting a tick and they're getting moved into the top group, but they're actually they uh, multiplying. What, yep. They don't know what they're just doing, the skill that they know, and that's got them so far and it's kept getting them into this group, but they actually aren't developing the multiple <laughs> skills because they're doing repeated addition over and over and over. So you're looking more at, I guess, criteria and referenced assessment as opposed to standards based yeah. I guess getting the answer correct no matter what strategy they use because that is a very primitive strategy repeated yeah, yeah, edition and it's something that they've they learnt 
early years yep. and they understood it yep. and they go to it and that's that's fine but when it gets more difficult and the questions require more you know cognitive use of the brain that's right their space is used up because they're going 5 10 15 20 and and you, you look the data spat out and it's there and you have these data meetings and you go through it and these kids can multiply yes but then you watch them do it and they're not multiplying, but their data says they can because they've got the right answer. They can do nine times five, but yeah. it's taken them 20 seconds to skip count to it all. Yep. And then that's that value, what you see and what are you hearing? And then from there, developing some activities um, to support it. Right. So you mentioned earlier the three goals of the school. Can you go into that in a little bit more depth? Um, vocabulary, comprehension and problem solving. They're the three that um, both the literacy and numeracy teams have come together and said these are our big three. Liz and I then went away and said, well, how can we embed a way of teaching problem solving so that it's not on top of everything that we're doing, that it becomes what we're doing, but it's not all that we're doing, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so we came up with Peter Maths. Peter Maths is an acronym and the Peter bit stands for Pose, Explore, Teach, Elaborate and Reflect. So once a week, all the cohorts come together and teach maths in one big group. And one teacher's uh, Peter One has the role of developing a rich, engaging task for the two groups of students, while the other teacher, using that, the data that we've caught either from their assessment or from what we've seen, will take those students out in small, short groups and work with them at point of need. And then once that's once they've done a little bit of 10, 15 minutes work, they then send them back in to keep working with the, the rest of the group on the problem solving. So yeah, so one math session a week, the whole school is working on the Peter maths, where we're using the data that we've collected previously to expose them to some rich tasks and talk about what they see and what's the key language and what strategy you're gonna use. And then collectively we'll say, right, today we're gonna focus on creating a table, the strategy of creating a table, how can we use it and then let the kids go to let the kids explore the explore the problem first without any explicit yeah. teachings Tilly? Um, mine would probably be the food vials that I did last year yeah. um, I it was really fun because we were um, we were searching up our local farms and um, seeing how far it was from Borneo to um, the local farm, so we were um, like figuring out how far it would take us to get there and then come back, and then we were um, we were searching up how much there was like straw, how much the strawberries were, and the cherries and stuff like that, and then we were like um, then we were like. Um, dividing them and passing them. Sounds like some pretty real world maths. So you're dealing with with some really practical situations. Yeah, yeah how far your food's travelled. And then we would have like a goal to get up to, like a hundred bucks, and then we had to try and make like fifty strawberries and twenty five. So if we were focusing on drawing a table as our problem solving strategy, we wouldn't necessarily teach that first. We'd go and let the kids have a go at the problem and then bring them back halfway through and have a look at what they'd done and then perhaps introduce the fact that here you might 
like right. to yeah. Okay, to so you would choose the problem sort of based on maybe the strategy yeah, that yeah. we were going to yeah. yeah, okay. And I know there's yeah. there's one this year already that we've done which was draw a, a table or using a table to help solving the problem. And all we spoke about at the start was today we're going to try and look at how our table can help us to solve a problem and then presented the problem and then the kids went off, go have a go. And after about 10 minutes I stopped them and I had gone around and I picked three kids. I said, can you come up and show us what you've done? And one of the students is a maths anxiety, (laughs) I don't want to do this, da-da-da-da, but all of a sudden it became that student's method. Have a look at how this person set out their table. And they didn't even know what they had done, but they had set out this beautifully clear table. It had the days of the week. It had the number of nuts that this monster thing, ant thing had collected. Yep. And it had shown that gradual increase over time. And I'm like, we are now going to use this student's method. Yep. You know, talk about it. And then the, the buzz of that student got, I did get feedback from her parent that night that, <laughs> you know, this was really, she's come home, she's talking about maths and how her example was used. And it's... Those little connections. Yeah, I think catching someone being good at maths and naming the method after them, I, I love that. I love yeah. that idea. It's a really nice, simple touch. It actually helps children to strategize. I'm going to use Vanessa's strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my brain works like Vanessa's and I can understand what Vanessa's That's yeah. right. done. I can't understand what Mr. Jelly's done, but I can understand <laughs> Vanessa so I can go that way and it's a valid way. Izzy, what about you? What would be your favorite maths thing that you've done or that you would like to do? Mine was probably the problem solving paper folding challenge where so we got a piece of paper and we there was this sculpture that the other grade made. They also had to do it. It was it was really tricky and I I didn't like it at all for starters. <laughs> and then a lot of people got it and then I asked for help but I couldn't actually get it. I was really stressed. But then Mr. Jelly said, two minutes, and finally I actually got it. How'd you feel when you got it? I felt happy. And it sounds like what you're doing is something that's actually going to ease that anxiety. Yeah. We certainly hope so. And we hope that what we're doing is making a little bit of a difference or if nothing else, it's memorable for them and they're going to remember a happy, <laughs> a happy, fun, safe yeah. maths experience. Yeah, it's something that, you know, I, I had a... Most teachers had a good time at school. That's why they're, they're teachers. Yeah. It, it wasn't a, an experience that, you know, push you away from it, but... If we can show the kids the value and they want to be there, then a lot of the nitty-gritty stuff kind of can look after itself because the kid wants to be there, they want to learn, they want an education, and they do most of the work as they should. Fantastic. Well, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. I'd like to thank Ryan and Elizabeth for joining me today, taking time out of what I'm sure has been a very hectic start to the year. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. It's our pleasure. If you have some thoughts or questions about today's episode or some suggestions for future episodes, why don't you get in touch? Just go to our webpage, calculate.org.au, click on the podcast menu tab, and on the page you'll find a webmail option. Maths Talk sound recording, production and editing are all completed here at the AMSI Schools Unit. A special thanks go to Lulu Nurenda and the AMSI team for looking after our publicity and media, and to Cass Lowry for handling our Twitter feed. 
A reminder, please check our show notes at calculate.org.au as well as the links and resources we've provided. Don't forget to subscribe to Maths Talk on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.